Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And you may have thought that we got canceled or that we had lost our sponsorships, but the joke's on you. We never had sponsors, so we just took some right. time off, and we're back now. We're not employed. Uh, yeah. We just took a little a little hiatus, and, and there's a new member of, of the family. Yeah. Congratulations to... To Mr. Glixman, new dad, and and his his daughter Scarlett has arrived, and so you know, and and I think uh, I mean two important notes. One, it seems like everyone is is healthy and happy, and two, she's one and zero in her ASU fan career against Arizona. I mean, in her whole life, all she's known yeah. is that we own Arizona at McHale yeah. Center. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, if she keeps that undefeated streak up for even. A handful of years, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah. I think you will too. Well, let's talk about that game yesterday. So ASU on the outside of the bubble, clinging to the bubble by a fingernail, maybe. Yeah. Um, that seems goes, to be the perception, at least. I guess. Yeah. Goes down to Tucson and plays competitive ball all game. Um, you know, up at the half. Then trailing by, you know, it got it seemed to be getting away in the second half. Yeah, but got as much as ten, I believe, yeah. in the second half. But, yeah. But the yeah. defense seemed to lock back down um when yeah. it needed I to. Mean, gave up one made basket in the last like seven plus minutes, I guess. I didn't realize that as I was watching it. Um but yeah, I mean that basket was under a minute to go and put us down by one. But other than that, like yeah, we, we played good defense late. Uh, and then, you know, we so under a minute left, have the lead, ill-advised three. Um, yeah, by a guy who more than made up for it later. Yeah, but yes, it was an ill-advised three uh, with with I think what twenty plus on the shot clock after we broke the yeah. little press they had. Um, not the best shot, uh, and yeah, it, you know they get the ball, call timeout from there. Yeah, you know that's a it, it, that's an, another thing we should mention. Out of the Arizona timeout, they ran a play. It seemed like everyone knew where to stand and what to do. Yeah. About 25 game seconds after that, out of an ASU timeout, the opposite. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know now I will admit here that I have not watched a ton of the ASU games this year between Pac-12 Network and some late starts and things like that. I read, I think it was Chris Cartman on Twitter, said, you know, this was, I, this was, I went, I went back and read his tweets, you know, from late in the game. And he, he said, and I suppose he pays more attention to me that, you know, ASU has been really good out of timeouts lately. I could say my, um, anecdotal evidence under Bobby Hurley is that we're not good out of timeouts. That's a consistent thing is that when he calls a timeout to draw up a late play, it doesn't seem to go all that well. Yeah. Well, this was in the ones I've seen and that's, that's all I can attest to. Yeah, well, this was another one of those because, yeah, uh, you know, discombobulated, unclear, you know, couldn't get the ball to Washington down low, which seemed to be right. working um, for it much of working. the game. Yeah, yeah. I think he know. only missed one shot the whole game. Yeah, and then, you know, by the time he got a touch, it was, you know, at the elbow. Out, and, out near the three-point <laughs> line, yeah, which is not his, his strong suit. And then... End up with a halfway decent shot. I mean, it, not mm-hmm. a terrible look with the with the three by horn, but one, you know, still had I think ten plus seconds when he took the shot, mm-hmm. and it, and it was a three when you're down by one. 
you didn't need a three. And that, you know, that's just, I know that's basketball nowadays. Like, you know, the three is better than the two, but sometimes it's not. I mean, I hate to sound like an old man, but like sometimes you don't need a three. And that was one of those times we didn't, and it, it didn't go in. And then the Cartman made the same point that I made in real time, which is there was an over the back foul in the rebound. Now, as I texted you, uh, a road team hasn't gotten a call like that at McHale for 40-plus years, so I don't expect to get it. Nonetheless, there was a foul on the rebound. Collins was was in position, and, and that the big dude, Ballo or Ballo, went mm-hmm. over his back. That was a foul. Yeah, not called. Instead, going the other way, Ballo, who managed to avoid having to shoot free throws earlier yeah. uh, in a, let's call it, legitimate injury scare although he was able to check back in 30 seconds later after after uh 80 free throw shooter replaced him at the line right uh went to the line missed the first which was like the only bad outcome for arizona was missing the first it was it was i mean it really so there's at that point there's less than three seconds Mm -hmm. and we have no timeouts and so really truly you are thinking i mean as an asu fan i'm sitting there thinking our only real hope is either he makes both and we throw up a Hail Mary to win, although teams usually now foul in that situation. Mm-hmm. So we probably don't even get the look. Or he misses the first and makes the second, allowing us to inbound the ball with no time. You know, because if he misses the second, you know, clock starts as soon as it's touched. You're you're out, you know, you're disorganized, you're you're truly well, throwing you're up not, a heave at the basket. You're not point. going toward the rim you you know right. you're exactly fighting yeah. for a rebound yeah. and then hoping yeah. for one pass and a awkward shot a miracle tip and a and a and a heave basically and yeah i mean this is the first makes the second which allows us to inbound the ball and i mean it's hard to criticize them but they played no defense mm-hmm. i mean they they basically were you know now look you know cambridge makes a uh, two-thirds of the court foot, shot yeah a 60 foot yeah. runner I mean, it was a great shot, and obviously, you know, you don't want to foul. I, I get it. At the same time, like Arizona made no effort to guard the inbound, make him, you know, throw him off rhythm. Anything. I, I mean, again, hard to criticize. The guy makes a sixty footer, but still, like little things. And and I don't know if there was maybe some argument among their coaching staff about how to handle that or something because I noticed when they cut to their bench, one of their assistants. I don't know if he's a full time assistant or whatever was basically like making a very animated point to Tommy Lloyd who just mm-hmm. sort of walked away from him. I don't know what he was saying, but something didn't go the way they had wanted it to go. Obviously the shot going in is the number one thing, but he seemed to be unhappy with some type of strategy there. Yeah. I don't know who their assistants are. Admittedly, this yeah. could have been a, a, you know, player development guy, not a full-time assistant. It's hard to keep track now with, so many and, and they don't wear suits anymore. And it's like, I, I don't know. But uh, the bottom line is it was the miracle of miracles for ASU. And it shouldn't be ignored that. I, I mean, we talked in the immediate aftermath, like it felt like a little bit of a, of a payback for a really rough, you know, year plus maybe two years of ASU football and basketball. Like that was a moment that keeps you coming back. It's like when you go play golf and you you have eight terrible holes, and on that ninth, you make a par, and it's like, well, I'm going to come back for more. That kind yeah. of shot is why you're a sports fan. Yeah, well, and look, Cambridge may have, in in that shot, saved Bobby Hurley's job. 
saved yeah. the tournament hopes. You know, we were initially going to talk about the uh, the article suggesting Rick Pitino as a potential Bobby Hurley replacement. We were, and we we still can discuss that possibility. Although, yeah, I mean, I was even going to say that. I was thinking about earlier today when I knew we were going to talk. Like, did that shot going in not only you know help our tournament chances? I think it certainly did that. But does it does it equate to an extension for Bobby Hurley? Because this is one element, I'll be honest, again, I did not know. I didn't pay close enough attention to. He's only got one year left on his contract after this season. So you got to mm-hmm. do something. You can't just maintain status quo. You can't just, like, do nothing and say, oh, we'll just uh, figure it out down the road. you got to either give him uh, at least a short-term extension or get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Or he gets rid of himself. You know, he, he takes another job, which is He does the shock always, Exactly. Always been on my radar a little the last few years, like – He's done well enough. There's there's likely to be some Big East openings. Mm-hmm. Um, St. John's is possible. Georgetown seems highly likely. Notre Dame is going to be open. They're not Big East anymore, but that area of the country. Um, you know, it, would he take the, the parachute to go back East? He hasn't yet, and he's had opportunities. Uh, but, you know, I do wonder if that factors in as well at this point. Well, and Who his, knows? His kid's now enrolled, but with transfer rules doesn't exactly exactly yeah yeah i mean he he was interested it appeared in the saint john's job i believe four years ago and did i don't know the order of things it's always hard to know did they move on from him did he move on from them but he that's when he got the extension and you know and and we haven't really heard much since i mean it's it's now his, his prospects haven't been as good because we've struggled um but I do wonder if, you know, if St. John's makes a change again, which it seems like they're always, you know, every three or four years in the coaching business looking for a new coach. Um, you know, does he think about it? And and then the question would be, does St. John's give him a better chance to accomplish something than ASU? And I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, to me, they're, they're on opposite areas of the country, obviously, but they're kind of similar programs and it, it seems like they're always just kind of stuck in the mud. Yeah, well, the other thing to think about is with the L.A. schools leaving, that auto bid for winning oh. the conference tournament kind of feels like a crapshoot. If someone knocks out Arizona... A little more attainable. You yeah, know, it's, it's yeah, almost I mean, like Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference. Like, yeah, you sure. We could... You never if, know. If somebody sure, upsets sure. them, then somebody else will get in too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's something that, you know, we talk about the Pac-12 stuff as we go here, but, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. St. John's and Georgetown and DePaul and those, those big city Eastern half of the U S programs haven't been good in a long time. And, and there's something to that that goes beyond just, well, they need to hire the right coach. I I feel like one of them would have fallen into the right coach by now and it just hasn't happened. Um, so I don't know. Who knows? Bottom line, I guess from, from an ASU perspective is, you're gonna to have to make a decision. Do you want to? Do you want to? You know, marry yourself to Bobby Hurley for at least a little bit more time? Or do you want to move on? And you know, we're we got 20 wins this year. It's it's been a 20 wins. We got a positive step. We got an outside shot at third seed in the conference. We do. We do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's certainly been a dramatic improvement from the last two years. Now, you know, that's sort of the. Um, you know, if, if somebody weighs, you know, 400 pounds and they lose 100, should we should we pat them on the back or should we say, well, why'd you weigh 400 pounds in the first place? Uh, I mean, we've been bad the last two years. 
and that was under his watch. And, you know, so like, okay, it's an improvement. Is it enough of an improvement? I'm not sure. I really don't know. I think it probably is. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure what the inner workings that, and who's even making that decision. Is Ray Anderson still making these decisions? I'm not totally confident. I don't know what Ray Anderson's role is. You know, it seems it seems hard to figure out right now. Like, was was he was he really heavily involved in the Dillingham hire? We're told he was, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I believe what we're told. Yeah. And you know, Crow, like the one thing that you can say about the Hurley program, setting aside whatever is going on with Bagley. Yeah. It's been a clean program in terms of academic issues, off the court stuff. He's run a pretty clean ship and that for Michael Crow goes a long way. It matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And do you, you know, you don't really want to make a change at football and basketball coach in the same academic year. Um, He's had a, I mean, he certainly had a good enough year to justify keeping him. But I mean, even if they get swept next weekend, and go one and done in the conference tournament and make the NIT, I think you, you can certainly make the case that, well, you know, he's he's trending in the right direction. We've improved. He's learned some things about, you know, roster management and defense and blah, blah, blah. And, and you keep him. And I think that's probably the likely outcome unless he leaves on his own. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if he's not back. That's if I, I was if I was a I betting person. I would expect him to be back with a two-year extension, something that'll finish his kids' yeah, college career. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, it's—I was thinking about it last night. You know, um, like you don't have to have. I mean, I don't think the four-year recruiting window really matters as much anymore. Like, you know, you you remake the roster every year, but you do have to have more than one year. You can't go into a season with a coach going into his last year. That's, I mean, that's dead man walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that would be the right, uh, you know, for me, it's not up to me. For me, that would be exactly the sweet spot. Like enough to have some security and stability, but not enough to think, well, we are, we are married to this guy for another two or three years, no matter what happens. Yeah. Now, let me ask you the flip side of this. If Rick Pitino's agent calls, are you taking the call? Are you talking to him? So I'm really, I got very mixed feelings on Rick Pitino here. He's an East Coast guy. Probably just that I don't like him. I mean, I really don't like him. And, And so it's sort of that, like, at what cost type of deal. Like, you know, like, if I, if I knew for sure he could get ASU to a final four, I'd probably say, well, I'll hold my nose and, and enjoy it. But I, but I don't know that for sure. Obviously, no one knows the future for sure. And, and so I'm just like, I don't know. I suppose you got to listen. If someone with that track record in college basketball shows interest, you, you can't just slam the phone down. But I'm not sold on it. I think uh, that article mentioned him and Randy Bennett. I think I'd be more interested in Randy Bennett. Interesting. That's just my, and I know Randy Bennett obviously has not won national championships or been to a final four, but I think there's a little bit, you know, like the one thing Randy Bennett does and it is the trending article. It seems like in college basketball now is he recruits the international market very well. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, look at that Arizona team we played yesterday. Like the number of guys from outside the U.S. Gonzaga's had a lot of success with that. St. Mary's obviously yeah. has. With him. Well, and so that well, that's sort of intriguing. Utah too in the conference. Utah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, like I, I mean, I think it seems like the days of getting you know five or six guys that stay you know four years it doesn't happen as much. Some of these international guys do. If they're not good enough to be, you know, draft prospects out at 18, then they come over and, and they, they seem to value education a little more, potentially. It's just a different culture than, mm-hmm. than an American kid. You know, not to be stereotypical, but I, I think it's proven somewhat true that maybe that's a way to have a little bit more stability in your program. Yeah, definitely. Because that's one thing that's tough about this year's team, and it, they've been a fun team to follow. But, you know, I went and saw the Utah game last week, and, you know, senior day, and they have seven seniors. Two of them were walk-ons, and the other five are all transfers who either were here one year or two. And and they're five guys who play significant minutes, so there's a feeling of, like, okay, the Cambridges and Warren Washington especially, like, those guys have been solid this year. They're all going to be gone. Mm-hmm. So it's like as soon as you get to know them, as soon as you start to like put your arms around this team and think, boy, this is a fun group, they're gone. And that's that's tough. I mean, it's tough to get as invested in that as it as it used to be, I, I feel like. No, it, it's I agree. It's one of those things where like you also get gun shy. I really enjoy Frankie Collins. I, yeah. I like Frankie Collins. And I want to believe that this Collins, Nunez, Duke Brennan trio yeah. will be the key to, you know, some sustained success for the next couple of years. Yeah. But, you know, Jalen, I thought Jalen Graham was going to be the key to success this year right. and he's gone. And, it, and he's gone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, and I think, you know, that's happening in football a lot too, but football, the rosters are bigger. And, and so you still end up, seemingly having guys who are there for I mean I know our football team this year might be an exception but in general you still have a lot of guys who stay in their place um and and with basketball you know if you have an eight-man rotation and four or five of them are you know one and dunners not not in the high school to the pro sense but in the you know they're at your school for one year maybe two and then they're on to the next spot like it's just hard I mean I think about a guy like Jeff Pendergraft who we both love Mm-hmm. And his best year was his senior year, pretty pretty clearly. Would we have the same affection for Jeff Pendergraft if he had only been here for that senior year? Same yeah. exact year, same exact success, but he hadn't been here the three years prior. I don't think anyone where we else. watched him build. Yeah, right, right. I mean, you know, like it's it's seeing that payoff. Now, granted, we were in college, and it's the, you know the, the circumstances are different too, but. Even if, even if you know, again, like let's say he was a one-year transfer back then when the when the grad transfer thing was pretty brand new, and somebody on that 08 team had one great year, not player of the year, you know, but just a really solid year. I think you'd be like, well, yeah, that guy was good, but we wouldn't have that same affection that we do for a guy like Jeff Pendergraft well, who was here for four. I mean, think about a Jermaine Marshall took this team to the tournament with Jahi Carson right. after transferring from Penn State. I think about Pashinsky. I think about Carson. Kind of forget about it. I don't think yeah. about Marshall, I, and I know yeah. he's passed away since I believe. But it's like, you, right, right. You know, you, but yeah, but he you just do. he was just a guy who like, oh yeah, he was 
the shooting guard on that team. Right. When the name gets mentioned, you're like, oh yeah, that guy was that guy was pretty good. I was I was listening to the post game yesterday because I was riding high from from that game and didn't didn't want to come down and and Kyle Dodd said something about you know like the you know Desmond Cambridge is going to go you know next to guys like you know Rob Edwards, a great one year guy, and and Rob Edwards is a good example. Like, oh yeah, yeah, he was mm-hmm. a good player. But I don't, I don't have like tremendously amazing memories of Rob Edwards. He was a nice player, helped us win some games, but kind of you, you forget about him because he was barely here. Like I guess I'll have more of an affinity for the Cambridge brothers than Josh Christopher because they played a whole season. True. But I think True. I'll have more of an affinity for Lou Dort than the Cambridges. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Or Xylan uh, Cheatham than the Cambridges. Right. He he mentioned Cheatham too. Dodd mentioned him, and and now Cheatham, if I remember right, didn't he sit out a year as a transfer? Yeah. yeah. So now he was he around the program for so, two I mean, years. It's the same general principle, but still, I did feel like, well, we heard about him in the year he was sitting out. It was like, oh, this guy's going to be a good contributor, and then he was better than better than expected, probably. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. I get it now. But I, the game yesterday, I mean, it was a tremendously fun moment. And seeing that ball go through, and we talked about it when we talked shortly after the game. Like, it's one of those, like, you're thinking, man, it's going to take a miracle, and maybe this is our time. And then it happened. It's like, oh, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And yet, I've thought about it since, and it's like, I, I, I mean, it's a great moment but I don't feel that same attachment to this team that I do, you know, if this had happened 10 years ago or certainly 15 years ago when we were in college. And, I, and I've thought about the reasons why, and I, I think that's a big reason why. Like, yeah, Desmond Cambridge has been really good, and so is his brother. But they're they're going to be here and gone, and unless you're a, you know, and these are high school guys, you know, but unless you're an Anthony Davis level type player with that type of success it, it just it's so like well we barely got to know you you know truly that we hardly knew you type of feeling and it, like that makes it hard to get real emotional about a team and a, and a season i feel like yeah no i think that's true it, it 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 has become professional sports in that you really just have to be invested in the jersey yeah, and which I am. I am. I mean that that that's a good call, and I and yeah, I mean because they because it's ASU, and I also concede, and I mean obviously we talked about yours. Um, we both have you know different circumstances than we did you know when we were in college and shortly after college. I worked at ASU. We we lived and breathed ASU, and neither one of us does quite as much. We still care a lot, but you know you live in a different area of the country. I don't work there anymore, um, and, and so you have a little less connection. When you just have other stuff going on. Like when when I was in college, I had 12 hours to 15 hours of actual attending school. Classwork, right. And then I would come home and by, you know, 6 o'clock most days, I was done for the day. Yeah. And I didn't have other responsibilities. Whereas now it's like, yeah, most days I'm done with my job by six o'clock and then <laughs> right, I come right. home and, and I have a family and I have like sure, sure. chores and and, and, <laughs> and again I mean you know and like so you ha- I guess I have to consider that I don't you know like I hate to be like well it's different for me therefore it's different for everybody I mean you know we've we're just older and you know like but I also just feel like it is harder to 
especially with basketball, maybe even more so than football, you know, to really bond with the team the way that you used to. Um, now, the flip side of that is, like, for example, Arizona. You know how much I hated Arizona basketball. Yeah. For, and I still do. I mean, I hate them because they're Arizona. But I watched that game yesterday, and there were there were guys in the lineup that I had never heard of. I, and not the walk-on starters. Talking guys who were playing late. Good. This guy, Cedric Henderson. Yeah. If you had told me before yesterday, you know, if you had asked me a true or false question, does Cedric Henderson play for Arizona? I would have had no idea how to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I guess in some ways it's good too. Like I don't have the animosity. I still hate him because they're Arizona. Like you said, the, you fall in love with the Jersey. Well, I, I hate the Jersey. I, I hope they lose, but I don't have the same. There's no Celine Stoudemire anymore for me. There isn't. No. I, and there probably never will be again. Well, and there's not a Lute Olsen. Like for as no, much as no. like we booed Sean Miller and we are and anti And I Sean Miller strongly. Yeah. But but yeah, this this new guy, like I liked him at Gonzaga. I like Tommy Lloyd. Yeah. And and I don't want him to succeed at Arizona. Don't don't take this as any sort of softening. Like uh, I'm one of those people now who like I hope Arizona does well, except when they play as you. No, no, I'd be happy if Arizona went zero and thirty. But it doesn't gnaw at me the way it used. Like I, I forget they're playing most of the time. You know, a lot of times yeah. I just I'll check scores and be like, oh, Arizona played last night. Okay. Well, and uh, the thing you is- know. I, just doesn't dominate my thought the way it used to. Well, and I have softened because in college, maybe a factor of spending so much time with you, but I, I wanted them to lose all the time. But now I'm like, well, my dad and brother root for this team, and yeah, I, yeah. I want ASU I mean, to do better, but, I, you know. it. You have a different relationship to Arizona. You didn't. And you also didn't like when we were in Tucson as as you know kids. You didn't dislike Arizona, and I did. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's born in me. And and again, I'll never like Arizona. I'll never be happy if they have success. But I was thinking just recently, like you know, and and you know, I hope they don't win the basketball tournament. I hope they don't go to the Final Four. And if slash win they lose in the tournament, I'll enjoy it. But it's not gonna like. It's not going to dominate my thinking in, in the way that, for example, you know, football games still do. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I, I mean, when, when the, you know, when the football playoffs were on or something, and it's like, okay, you know, my whole day is like, I hope this team loses or I hope this team wins. Like, the basketball tournament probably will not be that way for me this year. And it hasn't been for several years. Yeah. So we've, this, this conversation, and I, it's my fault, you know, it's evolved more into a state of basketball. It could go on and on and on, um, but I'll, I'll cut it off there and just just come back to saying yesterday was awesome. It was a it was a brief moment of remembering that sort of great feeling when you know ASU basketball did something great. Like man, I haven't I haven't felt that a lot lately, and it was nice to to have it for just a fleeting moment. Yeah, I agree. It was a it was a nice win. Uh, uh, certainly a memorable moment for this team, eclipsing the previous high point, which was probably that Michigan game. Uh, probably. By yeah, or Oregon. The win at Oregon, I suppose, was yeah. a very strong performance. I, and that was, you know, getting back to this team and their tournament chances. Interesting resume. You know, you think, like, you know, you got a neutral site win over Michigan. You got a neutral site win over a top 25 Creighton. 
you got to win at Oregon, you got to win at Arizona, pretty solid, and yeah. then you got some head scratchingly bad losses. Yeah, I mean, blown out at San Francisco, right lost that first true road test in Texas. Texas Southern, yeah, you know, yeah, lost at home to Colorado, got swept in Washington. Neither one of those teams is very good. I just just enough that. You know, and it's sort of that Bill Parcells, you are what your record is. And this team is probably a great example of that. Like, you look and say, well, boy, if we could have just won two or three of those games, well, that that's the difference between being a really good team and being a slightly above average team. Yeah, I mean, had we been able to beat Texas Southern, the complexion looks a lot different. Because we got 21 wins, we don't have a Q4 loss or whatever it is. Right, right, you know? right. But you can't yeah. erase that, and you know the job they did, sort of trying to erase it in the non-conference, got spoiled by the USF loss and the Arizona loss back to back. Yeah, yeah, and then the what we lost like five out of six in conference play, didn't we? Yeah. After starting with the UCLA game, like it, you know that UCLA loss kind of took the wind out of the sails for for too long. It felt like, and and if we don't make the tournament, I think it'll be that stretch of the year that feels like. That's when it really got away from you. Started six and one in conference, and what three weeks later we were seven and six, I believe. Yeah. So, well, tough. let's let's talk a little bit about the conference itself. So, uh, it appears that George K is openly courting San Diego State and SMU, uh, or at least SMU and San Diego State is openly asking to be courted. I guess, yeah, um, something like that. You know, because he was very, it was very public, his visit to SMU. He was on the, he was on the court for this, you know, basketball game. Bas- basketball was, game, right, right. He was touring the facilities, he was doing these things. I, I, that's more than just professional courtesy to the commissioner of another conference, to me. Agreed, agreed, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean... And, and I don't know, what do you, th- I mean, if those are the two additions, what, what's your thought? Fine. That's, that's kind of my, you know, like, <laughs> like they're not no splashy. additions though. Like yeah. they're not out there. We're not getting Florida state. No, you know, that's, that's in the rumor mill about the sec or that. Like the home run additions are not coming to the pac 12. And so, you, you know, it's like, I, I guess what I would so say, I'm left thinking, like, do you need anybody? Do you need do you need to go to twelve? Or well, do you I, just stay at ten, maybe. I guess my thinking is you need to go to twelve if only well, for two reasons. One, to have the volume of games to sell. I guess. Yeah. And, and two, because I think you have to go to eleven. And while I was being sort of more than sort of, I was being very dismissive of San Diego State, I have come to believe we need San Diego State. I have come to believe for, we for need the Southern Cal. Yeah, to lose the two yeah. LA schools, you know, and you've got other conferences looking to expand their footprint. I don't think Stanford and Cal is enough, and no, I don't think and I don't yeah. think Fresno State is the answer. I don't think adding no. a basketball only school, unless it's like we're adding Gonzaga and USD or yeah. Gonzaga and Sa- yeah. Santa Clara for basketball. And even then, I think you would go to 14 for basketball. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. I mean, there's there's merit to San Diego State. It does it does keep you in the Southern California. They just built a new football stadium, and you know, nice nice place, smaller on the smaller end, but still, you know, a, a 
pretty a pretty nice place that they didn't. I mean, they used to play at at the old Jack Murphy, which is gone now. Mm-hmm. So you got a little bit better atmosphere. Good basketball program, you know, consistently a very good basketball program for quite a while now. So yeah, you know, like it, that you make a good point. Um, and then, well, and then, so I guess where I'm going with that is I believe you have to add San Diego state. So if yeah. you start with my premise that you have to add them, I don't think you go to 11. I think you have to you go to 12. You can't do an odd number because it would be a nightmare scheduling wise. And then the questions for me are, does BYU want to spurn their newly Probably joined not. conference? No. Okay. Probably not. Do yeah. we want to add UNLV, who's been just a dumpster fire at an athletic department? No. I would say no. Yeah. And then yeah. it's Plus like you don't need Vegas. You've already got the Vegas, you know, right. area covered. You but know, so that's my thing is is so you start looking around. It's like the New Mexico schools, no. Yeah, no. Nevada, no. Reno, no. Boise. Eh? You know, like, does that, am I more excited about Boise's recent moderate, moderately successful football program or SMU's historically great, but recently poor rallying back? Yeah, although better late. I mean, you know, like they've shown some signs of life over the last few years. I can't remember who their coach is now, I'll be honest, but they had Sonny Dykes, obviously, until last, you know, until 21, Um, you know. And I mean, it does, it does get you into, and I don't know how much this matters anymore, but it gets you into a state and a, a major metropolitan market that you're not in now. Well, and you're Dallas in your third is, what, time zone. one of zone. the top five, six cities in the country, I think. Yeah, and it gets you your third time zone. It does. You know, because that's you know, central, so. and then you got Colorado, and sometimes Arizona. Right, And right, And sometimes yeah. Utah. And Utah, yeah, so... No, you're right. I mean, it's uh, I, it probably makes logical sense, and and I think your premise, like my premise, was sort of like, well, do you just stay at ten? But your premise, if you say, well, you need to get San Diego State, you got to go to twelve. Uh, an odd yeah. number makes no sense, and so then in doing so, who makes more sense than SMU? Probably nobody. It, since you missed on the teams that went to the Big Twelve, if you could have gotten BYU, maybe that's interesting. Maybe Houston. Would have been interesting, but they're in the Big Twelve now, so that that leaves SMU and pretty much that's it. Yeah, and it feels to me where I net out is I'm fine with it because I think I my belief you have to add San Diego State, and then yeah. what I, the the exercise I just did I had done before in my head about <laughs> well who el- like who else are you going to get is there? you know yeah like yeah and okay. I I mean. Dallas versus Boise, Idaho, it's a fairly easy choice in terms of, you know, major market, uh, you know, travel destination for your fans, uh, recruiting base, all, all those things. I mean, no no slide on Boise State. They've been a heck of a program, not as good the last few years, but still really good and, and we're great in football. Yeah. But it's, it's not Dallas. I mean, you know, nobody, nobody in Tempe or Tucson – or really any of the markets and be like, you know where we need to go this year is Boise. But you could probably have a lot of fans be like, well, you know what, let's let's follow our team to Dallas. Well, it's let's, a direct flight. I bet it's a direct flight for every school. I mean, yeah. it certainly is from the Arizonas. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know about, you know, Portland and Seattle. Probably so. Dallas is a huge hub. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a trip that can be made. 
it's a big city. I mean, it's sprawling. They've got every major professional sport, uh, you know, tons of nightlife, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, you know, so yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, and, and it's, it probably is necessary to do. And, but all of this is to say like this hunt for a TV deal is just, it seems like it is off the rails, doesn't it? I mean, well, Ion TV is not happening despite which is good. the immediate report that it was happening. And it's like putting the Pac-12 network on a thing like Ion TV you might as well just keep it as the Pac-12 network and put out an app that lets me buy games exactly. for five exactly. bucks a game. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll do that. Becoming, <laughs> you risk becoming live golf going to the CW. I mean, people are just laughing at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're on Ion, and and not only, I mean, it's not just Pac-12 network. Like this is everything. Like this is the entire package that's being discussed. And like, if you're going to put your marquee game on Ion, your you know. Oregon versus Washington in November, which the, you know, the, you know, teams are playing for the top 10 in the country, maybe, or something like that. First of all, they probably won't be playing for the top 10 in the country because people will forget about you. Yeah. And that is the big concern here. And I know the discussion of, you know, like, would they go to a streaming only? I just think that I, I told you this in text. I just think that is a disaster in the making. I mean, There's the- just not the appetite for Pac-12 sports to make people have to work to find it and the, and then not be able to go back and forth with ESPN to watch the SEC. As, yeah. You know, like people are going to just choose to tune it out. I'm one. And I love, I mean, I care about the Pac-12. I'm, you know, that's my favorite team and my, my alma mater. But if you tell me there's a Saturday full of college football and the only way I can watch Pac-12 is to have to go to an app, wait for that app to load, click this, wait for it to buffer, do that, and I can't go back and forth at you know commercials to watch you know Tennessee and Alabama on ESPN I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I what I would really like and I know that saying this doesn't make it true but what I would really like is if we could sell our A game to the late CBS window. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or cuz they've now got the Big 10 coming in the afternoon right. starting starting in two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. That would make sense, but it seems like they're not interested right now. Yeah. And then NBC's got the big 10 night window. They've already taken that, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and ESPN is completely on board with the sec now. Um, Now I still feel like ESPN wants that late night package. Mm -hmm. They'd like that, that, you know, and after dark. Exactly. And I think, I mean, the logical person in me says that's where this lands. It lands with ESPN giving less than they wanted, less than the Pac-12 wanted to the Pac-12 to take the, you know, the top couple games and the rest go into a streaming service. It, it, it marries, it, it keeps you somewhat on the radar rather than completely streaming. I just think that's a bad idea. Yeah. But the logical I mean, person in me said, you know, what, eight years ago that, oh, they'll, they'll figure out how to get the Pac-12 network on direct TV. I mean, it'll happen. And it never did. So logic yeah. and the Pac-12 don't always mix. I mean, it's one of those things, too, where you, you just wish that there was some sort of synergy like Peacock for somebody else. That yeah. would make sense where it's like, hey, look, every game is streaming on Peacock and these three games are are live on NBC regular TV, you know? yeah, yeah. I think that's it. But I, I feel like 
they have, at least so far, they've misplayed their hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Big 12 getting that deal done with ESPN and Fox before the Pac-12 got theirs done has not gone. I mean, that that was bad, the Pac-12, because they got they got not as much as I think they were hoping, but they got a pretty good deal. They kept the pro, you know, they kept the 12 programs together. They're saying goodbye to Texas and Oklahoma after this coming year. They seem pretty stable in a relative sense for the big 12. They don't for the PAC 12 right now. Yeah. And I do think if you're ASU, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, you, you gotta have your eyes and ears open for somebody who wants you. And it's probably be the Big 12, because I don't think the Big 10 does. I think the Big 10's Western expansion, at least for now, ended with Kevin Warren's departure back to the NFL. Yeah, I I think so. And I think that if they want to move West again, there are more attractive options for them than ASU. Oregon and Washington. Well, I I was thinking Oregon and Washington. ASU was not, I mean, you know. Being honest, ASU is not on their radar. There was a lot of talk of Oregon and Washington, but it, I get you know from the stuff I've read, Kevin Warren, you know, is not necessarily missed at the Big Ten or won't be missed because he really, you know, pushed this westward expansion and nobody else was on board with it. Uh, you know, like the the university presidents themselves don't have the appetite to add more teams. They're they're good with sixteen. And he was the one pushing, like, well, we're still looking, and blah, blah, and uh, You get the feeling no one's really sad to have seen him go. Yeah. So I think I think the Big Ten and the SEC are fairly content for now. They're going to let the 16-team model play out for a bit, which means the Big 12 is really the only realistic place for a Pac-12 school to go. And, I, I mean, all it's going to take is – two to do it and then like what becomes of the Pac-12 does it dissolve completely yeah and I may be overstating but uh, it's happened before happened with the Southwest Conference we lived through it when we were kids we saw a major conference just go away and to some extent we saw it with the Big East Big East football doesn't exist anymore so it it can happen yeah the Big East reconstituted itself as private Catholic universities who play basketball yeah, yeah. So we've seen two major conferences in our lifetime either completely go away or abandon football. And so, like, to think the Pac-12 is, oh, it's too strong. To, like, not without USC and UCLA. I mean, I never thought it would dissolve when USC and UCLA were part of it. But they're they're leaving, and now this rush, or, or not rush, I should say, this stress at getting a TV deal makes you wonder. If Oregon and Washington were to go to the Big 12, the whole thing comes crumbling down, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, right now, it's a wound, and we're trying to figure out if it's a mortal wound or not. Right, right, you know? right. And I, I really do feel like Oregon and Washington are the linchpins. Like, they, you know, they are the marquee programs. Oregon, because of Nike, and, and, and you know, and you get that Western time zone, and they both had football success. I mean... They're the they're the two Pac-12 programs that have made the college football playoff. Weird as that is to say, uh, USC mm-hmm. never has, and those two have. And and so if they go, like, what do you have left, man? You've got a conference that rivals the American, if that. Yeah. Maybe that's where we go. Maybe that's where we. <laughs> maybe maybe I don't know. Now the, the 
competitive side of things says if you're Oregon, stay here. You get, you know, automatic bids to the college football playoff for the top six conferences. Well, you just talked about it with basketball. I think it's even more relevant with football. Like, stay in the Pac-12 and, hey, if I'm Oregon, I'm looking and I'm probably thinking every year I'm one of the top three teams in the conference. All I got to do is be beat those other two and I got an automatic path to the 12-team playoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how things change and evolve. Um, I'm cognizant of the time. Uh, yes. So I want to talk about one more set of changes and evolutions, and that's <laughs> Major League Baseball. You asked specifically to talk about this. Yes. We've got, yes. We've got bigger bases. We've got a timer on the pitcher and the hitter for ready for yes. action. Um, spring training has been going for three days. We've seen the rule enforced at the start of counts. We've seen a game end in a tie because they enforced it at the end of a game, which I – Color me shocked if that happens during a regular season game or even a postseason game. But so so, and that was sort of my thought in a way of like the reaction to that game yesterday, and and maybe I'm misreading it, but the reaction was almost like, oh, the horror! This game ended on a clock violation. One, it's spring training. Who cares? But two, like, welcome to life. Watching basketball and football happens all the time. Yeah, You know, a basketball team down by one, they get the ball with 20 seconds. If they don't get a shot off before those 20 seconds go, the game ends. And and no one says like, oh, you know what? They should have had more time. Uh, there was the Cowboys 49ers playoff game a couple years ago. Cowboys ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Trying to get up, spike the ball. They ran out of time. They lost. Tough luck. Like that's, that's called sports. So I, I read these sort of, I read Jason Stark on The Athletic. I read Jeff Passan's tweet, which I know does, lacks context, but still, both of them sort of gave off the impression of like, oh my God, what have we seen? Like, I, what we've seen is that baseball's trying to maybe modernize itself just a little bit. And, and I think it absolutely is fantastic. I am completely on board with this pitch clock thing. Completely and 100% on board. I don't know if you are, but I think it's, I think it's outstanding. And I think if you enforce it early, then it becomes a non-issue, you know, but you need to continue to enforce it. You you know, it's like a 24 second shot clock in the playoffs. They don't just like ignore it. Nope. When the shot clock goes off, possession's over. Goes to the other team. It is interesting to me that this is the path you went down because I, I thought you were going to be against. Oh no. I, I was, so I, because I'm a sucker, I pay for the MLB radio package, right, which right. includes spring training. So on my on my app on my phone, I can listen to any team's radio broadcast, home or away. And for spring training, yeah. if they're doing a broadcast, I can get it. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to multiple games over the last few days where mm-hmm. the announcers have commented on, "Oh, look at that! You know, the game's really cruising along." Or I haven't even noticed the rule change, but we're already here in the sixth inning. You know, blah, 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 blah. Now, granted, spring training doesn't have TV and doesn't have the other sure, things that sure. slow things down. But my goodness, the games seem to, you know, whip by at a at a reasonable I mean, pace like, again. I, I, I told you yesterday, I, I saw a 30-second clip on Twitter of Mariners Padres from the first day, whichever, I think that was Friday. Right. 
And and I'm watching it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a breath of fresh air. Like the pitch happens and the ball gets back to the pitcher and he's ready and the batter's in the butt. There's no there's no stepping out and adjusting your gloves. There's no uh, stepping off the rubber and walking around. And then, no, it's get on with it, play the game. Like and and the players themselves have the have the are the blame for this. Like if they were if they would move with a purpose, we wouldn't need this. But they've allowed it to become this way over the years. And it like the game is is so much of just like standing around, and you know, and and it's just it's hard to sell that to people. Hard to you know, hard to be like, wow, man, the, the the majesty of baseball, and like those moments work in a game seven of a playoff series. Like, oh man, that you cut the tension with a knife. But on a Tuesday night, May, like nobody wants to watch a guy step out of the box after every pitch. Uh, they'll they'll do something else. Uh, they'll, they'll watch something else or go somewhere else. And and so I think this is fantastic, and I hope they stick with it. Yeah, I agree. To me, the the one that I question is the shift rule. I don't. I I I was against the rule initially. Yeah. I have now pivoted to to ambivalence. Like, I don't know if I'll notice because. I just think eventually it'll just be the way it is. Yeah. You know, I felt yeah. that like, I feel like the shift rule is going to be like the intentional walk. No, no pitches, intentional walk rule. Like yeah, the first so. couple times yes. I'm at a game and, and there's something that happens like, Oh, look at that. That guy drilled the ball into shallow right field and there's no second baseman. Just there's standing nobody there. there. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, so I like it. I, I was, I agree with you. I was, when I first was proposed, I was kind of of the mindset of like, you know what, don't legislate what teams can do for strategy. And I still sort of get that point. But at the same time, again, cross sports, there's rules about how you can line up defensively in basketball. You can't just put all five of your guys in the paint. You know, you, you can't do it. That's, there's a defensive three seconds. There's rules about how you can line up in football. You can't have, you know, everybody to one side of the line of scrimmage and rush 11 guys from the left side, uh, you know. And, and so I'm kind of like, yeah, do it because that's another thing going. I mean, you've seen it. You've gone to more baseball games than me. The amount of times that you just the, the game kind of stops because somebody's out signaling where to move the defenders. Like, oh, man, are we ever going to see something happen here? Or, you know, watching the catcher come out and move the guy to this, and it's like, I don't, I don't know, man. I could do yeah. without it. I mean, I, where I, where my shift on this has come is, I don't like legislating the defense because, you know, the point is to hit it where they ain't. So, you know, I agree. Be, be Anthony I agree. Rizzo, drop a bunt down, get your easy single. Um, but the, the problem flip, is that doesn't happen much. Well, and and so. my, and the flip side for me is, it has become so tremendously hard to bat a ball into play now. Yeah. That okay, if you can hit it in play, maybe it's good that you have a little bit more chance of it actually yeah. being productive. I think all these things. So the bigger bases, I'm not sold that that's really going to be a, a revolutionary thing as far as more stolen bases. I, Maybe it will, and I think that'd be good if it was. I, I'm a little lukewarm on that idea. But I think that the, the no shifts and the rules about how many guys you have to have on each side of the diamond and the pitch clock, they will, I believe, contribute to a more exciting product. And that's what that's what baseball needs. Baseball slipped into an irrelevance that our grandparents would, would never have imagined. 
but you know, like, um, I, what? you know, baseball's, uh, you know, well behind football, way, way, way behind football, probably behind basketball. Well, I, uh, I think you're probably but, behind soccer in some ways. In I, this I think now. your way of looking at that is baseball has become so antiquated that football got paid during a lockout for games. <laughs> like if they didn't yeah. play the games, yeah. football teams still got paid as if the games right. happened for TV. Right. And and the exactly. and the regional networks that broadcast over half of the league are filing bankruptcy. Which is, that's a fascinating one that I'm not quite sure where it's all going to go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think 100% that's, that's accurate. And, and so, and, and I'm not saying these changes are going to lead to in five years, baseball is going to be back to where it was in the 1960s with the, you know, Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. No, there's, there's more to it. Um, and some of it is just the nature of the beast now in, in our culture, but you can do things to help. And, and I think these things help. I'm not a huge Rob Manfred fan. You know that we've talked about him. I think change for the sake of change, like changing the names of the minor leagues from, you know, PCL to AAA West was stupid and they went back to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But change to actually try to help the game and make it a more entertaining product, I think is very good. And, and I'm, I'm all for these and I, I hope they stick with it. I hope they don't, you know, bow to any sort of pressure of like, oh my god, I can't believe a spring training game ended on a clock violation. Like, yeah, that that, that makes us take it seriously. And when it happens in the first week of the regular season, and I hope it does, we'll take it even more seriously. Yeah. I. Which, by the way, it won't end in a tie in the regular. Yeah. So that's another thing. Oh my god, the game ended in a tie. That's just spring training. Nobody cares. I mean, I, unless you're a compulsive gambler and you bet on the first game of Grapefruit League action, who cares? Well, and it's hard to like the the hand wringing and the pearl clutching. It's hard to square that with during the Brewer Dodger game. The Dodgers announced ahead of the game that their catcher would not be swinging the bat. He was really? he had a hairline fracture in his wrist. So he yeah. was in there to work on tracking pitchers or tracking pitches and his relationship with the pitchers. So he came to bat and just struck out on three pitches because everyone I, knew he was just going to stand there and let yeah, three pitches go by. Yeah. I hadn't heard that, but yeah, that's a that's a great point. And and you know, pearl clutching is a great way to put it. I couldn't help but laugh when you said that because there's so much of that with baseball. I feel like more than other sports, there is that with baseball. Like. Oh, the sanctity of the game. I can't believe you'd have a clock. And like, I'm sort of of the mindset that since the 1994 World Series didn't happen, you can, you can just ditch the whole sanctity of the game argument. We lost, we lost the championship, you know, presentation for that year because of money. So sanctity of the game went out the window as far as I'm concerned at that point. Yeah. Let's, let's make the game better. Um, I don't want to, you know, turn it into, video game baseball or something like that, I, you know, I, but at the same time, like, you know, watching, you know, the, the Nomar Garcia Parras of the world who had to step out and readjust his gloves after every pitch. Nah, yeah. like, get out. And if you can't make the adjustment, then the league will move on without you. There's no yeah. one in baseball who's irreplaceable right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm on the same page with you with that. I think that this is ultimately going to be, unnoticed by by so. june i think you know i hope by mid-season it's just it's just you know natural 
Mm-hmm. Like we're just seeing the game move quicker and we're looking at games that are ending in two hours and 20 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. And it's like, man, you take a step back and realize like this has had an impact. Mm-hmm. Very good. That's, that's my hope. Yeah. Well, look, we'll be around. We'll talk about it. But until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.